Hello, everyone. Welcome to All Things Evangelism. I am here today with a good friend and workmate, Blair Lemke. And uh, this All Things Evangelism uh, podcast has been really a blessing for me, and I'm sure it's been a blessing for you guys out there. And it's going to be even more of a blessing today because we have Blair. <laughs> Blair is uh, our young adult director for the North New South Wales Conference, and he's been in this position for... About two and a half years. About two and a half years, which is, man, that's crazy. Mm. Time flies when you're having fun. Blair, prior to his uh, taking on this role, functioned as a chaplain at Tweed Valley Adventist College and a teacher, Bible teacher too, right? That's right. Yeah. Is that right? And many different subjects. In a small school, you get everything. You get to, oh, that's Mass, cool. English, music, everything. You wore multiple hats at the mm. same time. And uh, you are married. I am. Married to Emma, my wife. Uh, she is recently pregnant. Yes. We're expecting a young child of some form. Not sure which gender yet. Yeah. In February. Uh, cool. That's exciting. And um, so today, Blair, we're having a conversation. And uh, if we were to title this podcast, mm. it's under the All Things Evangelism podcast, but our title is We're Not In It For The Power. That's right. We are not in it for the power. So this implies that there can be people in ministry for power and there can be people who do ministry outreach and mm -hmm. evangelism yeah. because they can become distinguished through doing such. They can become successful. So ministry becomes a platform for exalting themselves. Yeah, gr greater and influence. Greater influence. They get to show off to their friends how successful they are. And uh, this can be a real issue, a real problem. And uh, I don't think it's just a problem unique to modern times, right? No. Like, it's not just in the modern era where we have shiny-haired evangelists who make a lot of money from being religious and spiritual. It's not just in today's era where we have, even in our own church perhaps, people who've done evangelism and ministry of all sorts who are in it for the power and to become important. They like to be called teacher, master, professor, whatever. And that's the primary reason for them doing what they do. Have you ever experienced this? Oh, look, it can... Or it can, seen this kind uh, of playing itself yeah, out? Yeah, I've seen it. I think, yeah, I've definitely seen it. And it can seem, you know, as you give that introduction for someone listening, it can seem like that is like, what, you know, if you're a Christian, how could that even be a part of the equation that you're seeking, you know, power or influence, or you might be approaching ministry from an a impure motive, a motive that is not sincere, that is not, you know, desired to, you know, bringing glory to God and these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not a new thing. It's something we see all the way throughout history and, um, and even all throughout Scripture. We see it in Scripture as well. Yeah. There's a text um, that I think addresses this very specifically. And um, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, I'll read it out. I'll just share it with you because I think it speaks directly to this idea that you just said, you know, is this a new thing? Is it something that's, you know, fresh on the scene or has it been for, around for donkey's years? Yeah. Um, scripture says... In Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish motives, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. Paul's writing and he says, <laughs> Some people preach Christ from selfish motivation, from, you know, for the desire to gain influence, to gain power, yep. to gain prestige. And, and they even approach the preaching of Christ in such yep. a manner. Um, they approach evangelism yeah. in such a manner. And, you know, this should be cause to check, you know, anyone who is 
uh, a disciple of God who wants to take, you know, fulfill the Great Commission to go out to share the gospel. This should yep. this verse alone should be caused to just check uh, what motives am I approaching ministry with? I love what he says there too, right? Like he's he's like they're gonna add affliction to my chains. In other words, he's in chains, he's in prison, and there's people out there who are trying to compete with him. And they're trying to be as good as him, as great as him. And so they're going to preach the gospel so they can communicate their exploits. It's about competition. It's about, you know, kind of striving uh, for greatness. It's crazy, hey, how people can take holy things, spiritual things, and just turn them into Mm. like a path for carnal success. You know, it's just bizarre. I don't know about you, dude, but like when I came into the church, I was 25 years old when I came to Christ and was converted and joined Mm. the body of Christ in the Advent movement. And like I noticed that a parallel world existed in the church. Like the church had its great people just like the world had Mm -hmm. its great people. So in the world there are successful business people. In the church there are successful business people. In the world there are successful musicians. In the church there are successful musicians. And this is not wrong or bad in itself. But I, I kind of noticed how people in the church, members in the church, would function similarly to the people in the, in the world mm-hmm. in that they'd have their stars or they'd be a fan of certain people or they would allow that kind of mindset of the world to seep into their spirituality. And it was like they didn't even know it was happening, but it just was. And I'll give you this interesting example. I was at a youth conference preaching and uh, I was listening to one of the other speakers who was up presenting and I remember his name, but I don't want to say it. And it, he didn't do anything wrong, but... He's like there preaching, and, he, and he, he gets to a point where he's going to quote another preacher. And he said, just like, and then he quotes this preacher, and before he says the quote that the other preacher, you know, said, like 15 people in the crowd, like screamed out really loud, mm-hmm. amen, <laughs> amen. And I was like thinking to myself, and then I was just thinking to myself, that's, that's weird. You haven't even heard what that other preacher said, yeah. but as soon as you heard that other preacher's name, you said amen, mm. which just shows that's very immature spiritually. Like, mm. what are you doing? And then I got up to preach the next sermon, and I just like said, hey, listen, please don't say amen because you hear someone's name. That shows that you're like a cheerleader for yeah. men, that you're building like building up these stars. Anyway, so I thought that was interesting comparison to Paul. Like he's like, there's people out there, they're just trying to compete with me and be great. Yeah, and you know the whole the whole fanboy mentality around around this, you know, what you just shared is is really antithetical to scripture, antithetical to what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to raise up men, um, to raise up thought leaders. We can do this with scholars. Yeah. Um, we can do this with um, you know, powerful presenters of the word. He doesn't call us to lift up men. He yeah. calls us to lift up Christ. And um, yeah, I think. And didn't that, the Pharisees say, bro? Like at one point, I don't remember specifically where it is, but where the Pharisees are like, "Hey, has anyone of the Pharisees accepted Jesus's teaching?" Yes. So, like, the basis for accepting Jesus's teaching was, did any of the leading academic mm-hmm. scholars accept what he taught? As if that was the grounds uh, upon which you judge God's word. You know, like what some man says about it. You know, not to say in any way that Jesus himself was disrespectful to the mm-hmm. learned, you know, mm. like that's great. That's a beautiful thing. But when but that's like be, the standard by which you judge whether... That's right. And there can be a trap in when someone becomes proficient in any area, 
whether it be presenting God's word or um, and analyzing and you know approaching in a scholarly manner God's word, there can be the um, the danger of falling into the trap of glorifying that skill over glorifying God behind yeah. that. And you know, the the more proficient in your field that you get, the more a danger that can be. Yeah. And so. Well, and, and it's funny because we should know logically that okay there's 15 men say just along the line of thinking that you're talking into there's 15 experts in a certain subject and there's five different opinions that they carry about their particular subject or maybe on a certain issue they differ on like five different areas well someone's got to be right and someone's got to be wrong mm -hmm. therefore their expertise is not a guarantee that they're always right about everything and you shouldn't just glorify them as like you know demigods and people just have a tendency to do this. I remember the story of the Iconians in Acts chapter 13 when Paul shows up, and I, was, I think he was with Barnabas, and they thought the gods have come mm -hmm. down to us. And when they would not accept worship from the Iconians, they stoned them. So there just seems to be this inherent thing inside of us where when God uses someone, we want to glorify them. And then we come into the space of ministry, and God uses us, and that kind of like in our own mind exalts us and we kind of get enticed by, you know, that desire to be great. And I think it really takes a humble person for God to use extraordinarily because as soon as he uses you powerfully, he's risking you becoming really yeah. arrogant and then using that way he's used you for your own glory. You know, that story you raise about the Iconians, it's interesting how Paul, you know, Paul and Barnabas on that occasion have the foresight or the, the mental that they were there enough to say, hey, we're not going to take this worship. Although Paul was a pretty big wig in the early church. He was the evangelist. He traveled around three missionary journeys. He was planning churches. He was raising up leaders. He would have had a degree. He was well-educated. He would have had a degree of notoriety and, um, and could have been someone that could fall into that sort of a trap. And even as, but, but in this occasion, he doesn't, you know, receive that. He points it to God. And it makes me think as well of that, you know, you've got the, on the flip side of that, you've got church members who look at someone like Paul and would be prone to lift him up, to put him up yeah. uh, and to be in the trap of, um, you know, looking at that powerful position and, mm -hmm. and, and viewing it as a merit of itself. But then when you look at the church, um, the Bereans, I think of that, that passage in Acts chapter 17, um, verse 11, where the Bereans, when Paul, when this bigwig Paul comes, Paul preaches the gospel, he comes to the Bereans. Um, Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians, uh, where yes. Paul was preaching with yep. the Thessalonians, um, because they received the word of God uh, eagerly. They received the preaching that Paul said, but they examined every day to see if what Paul said was true. And they tested kind of that, that uh, not, it, he, they didn't give Paul a platform just because it was Paul. It was Paul, yeah. Paul was coming along and Paul had the word of God and Paul was the evangelist. He, was, he had the power. Yeah. Um, they approached, they, they received it. They didn't deny it. They received yeah. the preaching eagerly. Sure. But they the examined the scriptures yeah. every day to see if what Paul said was true. They tested it. And this, yeah. I think, is the posture, you know, this is taking away that, status that power and yeah. leveling the leveling field the great leveling field of god's yeah. word god's word yeah that's it that's the standard you know it's funny because now we're, we're bordering a topic here and i don't we're not primarily talking about this but i just mm. wanted to say it because i know that someone's thinking it who's listening it's like there's this place where you're supposed to be on you're supposed to honor people you know the bible mm. says honor the hoary head so you should give honor to those who are older than you because they've got experience that you don't have 
Paul himself says, like, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Mm. So this shows that he himself has regard for these men who God used through Christ to disciple and train and to build this church up through. And so it's like, we've got to balance this, like, we've got to balance, like, the fact that we've got to honor people mm -hmm. and regard them and, you know, give them proper respect for who they are, the positions That's that right. they serve in. Yet at the same time, you can't go cross that line and then say, well, just because this is Joe Blow, like, you know, that's, boy, that they're a star. Because that endangers them and that endangers us. It makes them unaccountable and kind of above the law. And it makes us like groupies of men, you know. Dude, I wanted to read. So check this out. This is a passage you're familiar with. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3. And uh, this is the Apostle Paul just kind of communicating to, yeah, to the Corinthian church. Anyway, I'll just read it. Check this out. So um, he's, I'll start in verse 3. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For then one says, I am of Paul. And another, I am of Paulo, Apollos. Are you not just acting hmm. carnal? Right? It's like, I came from this university. I came from this mission school. I came from this, you know, person's training program. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Wait a second. Aren't you just being carnal when you do this? Aren't you just saying, I'm a fan of the Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of the New York Yankees. I've got my team. Who's the greatest? Who's the best pitcher? Who's the best batter, right? It's like, that's just carnal. And it's like what I was talking about earlier. In the church, we set up a system that mirrors the world. We have our little stars, mm -hmm. and it can be very carnal. And I feel I have this term that I, I coined when I first became an Adventist. It was like G-rated lost people. And if you don't know the movie rating system in America, G is like for all audiences. So it's just that's, a that's movie. That's a global system. A movie that is everyone, global? Everyone yeah, okay, so it's G. G. Yeah, so yeah, everyone yeah. can watch G. So like... Rated but but R. America's the world, hey. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. that's Amen. right, of course. As you, as you, yeah. Well, you did say, yeah. So, <laughs> God bless yeah. America. Yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah, man, so it's like I come into the church and I'm a, I'm a, you know, wild child. And I'm looking around myself and I'm thinking, okay, here are these people who they have a sanitized lifestyle. They refrain from certain behaviors and practices. Yet the fundamental uh, style of the world is practiced by these people. So it's like rated G sinning, rated G selfishness, rated G, you know, glorifying men, rated G. So just because it's rated G doesn't mean it's holy, right? Mm. Like rated G is better than rated R for sure. But I hope that you guys can kind of, you catch mm. the analogy that I'm making. Like, dude, it's, 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 if, it's, if it's fundamentally the same, it's the same, mm. you know, so. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, I think kind of bringing it back to the, the direction that we're trying to focus on this idea of motives underlying motives approaching evangelism approaching god's work you know when you look at god's word god uh, god god tells us in his word that his word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart um in hebrews hebrews chapter 4 and you know this this idea is that god's word is able to cut through these motives or these yep. these intentions that we have because we can easily fall into the trap of 
we can fool us with our own motives or our own approaches to ministry or to evangelism. And we can pretend that we're choosing certain actions for God for the, or for the benefit of others. Yeah. But in reality, we're, we, we can have underlying selfish motivations. Right. And so God's word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, God's word is able to be a, a discerner, to cut through that and to identify what the true motives are. Yes. And so, you know, when you look through scripture, you see, uh, you know, God's word saying in several places where we can approach spiritual things. I, you know, I think of um, that text in Corinthians uh, where, it, where it's talking about approaching um, offerings mm-hmm. and you can even approach offerings, um, you know, offerings with a selfish motivation. You know, it's, God's word yep. says everyone must approach as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly um, or, yep. you know, or under compulsion. Is, is yes. in, that's speaking to motive there, yep. you know, not, not by some poor motive because God loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. That's not speaking to what you do. It's speaking to how you do it. It's saying you can give offerings to God, yep. um, but you can do it if you do it with a cheerful spirit, i.e., a good motive. Thumbs up. Right. But if you're approaching with reluctance or with um, obligation or with any other selfish motivation to gain influence, gain power, um, mm-hmm. look good, yep. any emotive, then this is an offering that God is can't accept. It's so, you know. I'm gonna. So I'm gonna throw something at you, dude. Is there a difference between selfish ambition and sincere desire to achieve and be successful? Mm. Right? Because like, is it wrong for just a sincere Christ follower to just want to succeed and to want to be affirmed Mm. and to want to feel like, wow, I'm doing something good with my life i'm i'm you know i'm actually making a difference right yeah no i think i don't i, don't, I think that there's the the problem is the underlying issue of who are you trying to please are you trying to yeah. please are you trying to live to serve god or are you trying to live to serve man i think you know that's the that's the underlying issue because mm-hmm. you have um you're having you know um you have two realities you've either got fear of god or fear of man and you're living to please god to serve him or to serve man mm-hmm. and um, I think, you know, yeah, I think if, if you're living to, uh, to try to just appeal to, you know, to be popular yeah. or to receive approval or to receive power or to receive influence, then that's a, a bad motivation. If you're trying to serve God mm-hmm. and, um, and a part of that is being an upright citizen, you know, try, being, um, you know, honest and these sorts of yeah. things that do bring success... Um, there's no evil per se in my mind to striving to live a holy, godly life, you know. Yeah. And, but but are you doing it for the purpose of self glorification or for the self for God glorification? Yeah. You know. Totally. Well, like Jesus says in Matthew seven, you know that that when he comes back, that he's going to say to some, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Like obviously, he's saying that because they need to hear it like mm. and he wants to say it and i think there are times where god says to us well done like and we mm-hmm. should we should feel like like that's okay that's good we want to do a good job we want to succeed we want it's like there's a fine line between wanting your ministry to succeed mm-hmm. and and wanting your ministry to succeed so you can be great and receive mm-hmm. praise and honor for men mm-hmm. you know and there's a statement in in Luke 16 i think it's 15 jesus says he's speaking to the pharisaical leaders of his day and he says, he says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. And then he says, for that which is highly esteemed among men 
is an abomination mm. with God. Mm -hmm. That's heavy. That mm -hmm. statement is like explosive because he's like, dude, you're just you're just trying to justify yourself, like you were saying before men. But God knows your heart. Mm -hmm. For that which is highly esteemed among men, you know, like looking important in front of men, is an abomination with God because mm -hmm. it just shows that you're just. It's almost like it's that satanic spirit of wanting worship. You want to be worshipped. But so that's an abomination with God. It's not, but it's not wrong to want to be appreciated by your brothers, mm. to please God. It's not even wrong to want like others to say, you're doing good. Yeah. You're doing good work. Your Wait, work is excellent. You know, I think like, that was an excellent job you did. There's a, there's a text that comes straight to my mind as you share that. Um, Matthew chapter 6, or 5, verse 16, where it says, Let your good works, let your light shine before men. Yeah, they can so see your good works. Let your let your light shine before men. Yeah. So that but but for why? So they may see your good works, then your good works, and glorify who? Your father. Your father in heaven. heaven. That's so good. So, and you know, it's like it's this there is good work. Yeah. You know, you can be a good, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. You've got a, a light to it's shine. Work that you can do. That's a good work. Do it. It's a noble work. Like, but but for what purpose? What's the yeah. motivation? Let it shine so that you may glorify your father in heaven. Totally. So, bro. God, he's wanting to bless us because he wants, you know, he's ordained that the church would be his agency to save people, right? So it's, he's organized us for service and he's reaching out mm. to the world through us, through the body of Christ on earth. But yet, like a lot of people may struggle with being in it for the power. And we see that in the New Testament, the Old Testament, people are using religion as a way to exalt themselves and as a platform for themselves. What does a person do, Blair, who's sitting there going, ah, oh, yeah, like, I get it. A lot of my motivation is not right. Because mm. I've been in that position where I've thought, yeah, like, I do want to see people saved, but I also want to be glorified. Mm. And I want my talent to be, like, seen and known. And I want people to acknowledge, like, yeah, this guy, he can do it. He knows how to preach. He knows how to do events. You know, whatever. There's always that. I want to succeed and call my friends and say, yeah, we baptized 30 people. In the last year, right? Mm. Like, so what does a person do who discovers, like, yeah, t true, there's a little bit of Pharisee in me. Mm. And I really believe, by the way, I hate when people just like try to distance themselves mm -hmm. from the negative figures in scripture as if God only wrote about the Pharisees to show us what conservative Adventists are like. As if, you know, in all of us, there's not a little bit of Pharisee, yeah. you know, a little bit of Sadducee. So he put them in there to teach us about us, not to teach us about them. So yeah. it's like, so what do I do when I acknowledge honestly, okay, yeah, I got a little bit of Pharisee in me and I'm doing things to be seen of men and my mo and like Paul's people, I'm just trying to compete and be great. Do I just stop? Hmm. Do I just stop? Yeah, look. It's like, say, forget it's, evangelism. It's I'm not a, doing anything anymore. It's a, it's a hard issue. God's word tells us that our hearts are wickedly deceptive. Who can know them? You know, we, ha we do have this reality where we do approach in... in in you know somewhere along the spectrum either extremely or even in small parts we have impure motives and so the only solution to the heart problem is to surrender the heart surrender to god um ask for a new heart and mm. and you know allow him to do that work of you know repent turn away from those things the moment you in your mind feel the conviction of god's spirit that you are approaching something with a selfish motive that's got the grace of god calling you to repent to turn yes. from that and to ask for uh, the a new heart mm -hmm. and and to move forward and 
you know, this is this is not a one-off thing that you did back when you accepted Jesus into your heart, you know, at an altar call. This is a daily decision of being baptized yep. by the Holy Spirit day by day as you walk with Him. Totally. I, I, it's, if, if there's a fireman and he's saving someone from a burning building and he realizes that his motivation for firefighting is not exactly what it should be, it doesn't mean he should stop firefighting. No. <laughs> it just means that in his heart and in his mind, he acknowledges it. He repents before Jesus and says, Jesus, like, yeah, I want to be great. I want to be important. I want to be raised up above those around me. I get jealous when other people are successful. And I need you to take this from my heart because I know that if this is in my heart, it hinders your Holy Spirit because it's when we're in one place and in one accord, not striving for supremacy that you can pour your spirit out on us. And I really, I really think this is a huge issue uh, in our church. Um, people may not agree with me, but that's fine. They don't have to agree with me. Um, but I think it's evident. It's perfectly clear. Um, when it comes to like, you know, I don't know, man, I don't even want to get too sticky here, but who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? You know, there's so much of that and there's so much desire to exalt ourselves yeah. through ministry. And it's like Paul said, it's carnal. And I, I would say, I would call for anyone listening to us uh, to, to, we as a, as a group, all of you listening to this podcast, we need to make it our personal mission to just preach to everyone that we all need to repent of this because so many ministers, so many church members just want to be the greatest and want to be the most important and cannot serve without being glorified. You know, so it's about, it's about like the position, not about mm -hmm. the service. And so I, I said this on, on social media once, I just put this phrase up. I said, everyone wants to be in charge, but very few people want to take responsibility. Yeah, wow. So leadership and leading in ministry and doing great things for God is about taking responsibility. It's not being in charge. It's not about being in charge. It's about giving and laying your life down. It's not about getting to be the dude or the mm. dudette, you know. So anyways, man, so we got to kind of wrap things up here, brother, for the sake of time. But I wanted to point attention to two passages. Mm. And this, this is how we'll sail into the sunset. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you do your praying... Don't do it like the hypocrites. Mm. When you fast, don't do it like the hypocrites. When you pay your alms and give your, your money, don't do it like the hypocrites. And then he basically says the hypocrites, which in the original Greek there means the actors, mm. they're basically just, they're putting on a performance and they're acting as if there's no real God. There's no God for real. Mm. It's like it's almost as if they're like atheistic believers. They don't realize God's watching you, bro. Like God's watching you and there's a final judgment. And, you know, this is a real... And they, they practice their righteous deeds in, uh, to be seen to by To be them. seen. Yeah. So it's like the worship leader who, who gets really mad when they don't get to lead worship at big camp. Mm -hmm. Why are they really mad that they don't get to lead worship at big camp? And why do they conspire against those who did get to lead at big camp? It's because they were just doing it so that they could be seen of men. And so it's like he says not to do it like the hypocrites. And then in Matthew 23, he just like... He raises the city. He basically like drops like the nuclear bomb on the Hiroshima of the ego, you know? He's basically like, look, you Pharisees, you guys love to be called master. You love to have the great seats at the feasts. You love this. And he's just saying, look, you're just a fraud. You're just filled mm. with dead bones inside of yourselves. You're just capitalizing off of poor widows who give you their houses and you pretend to be religious. And he just goes berserk. And so Jesus was not in it for the power. Mm. 
a lot of the religious people around him were. Mm. They didn't understand him. They just wanted to crucify him and get rid of him. The disciples eventually were not in it for the power. And look what they did to the world. Yeah, that's right. They changed the and, world. And look what, what road it led them down. You know, yeah. they, took, they took a path where many mar deaths, martyrs' deaths, many yes. of them faced. Um, and, and actually, I think that's actually a good illustration of, you know, we all need to check our motives, like you said. Yeah, we, we all need to check yes. our motives and ask ourselves questions about that can, you know, diagnostic questions that can help us come to uh, honestly assess our motives so that we aren't approaching spiritual things with selfish motives. Um, and so, you know, there's several questions that I think, you know, well, things that we could, should have at the for forefront of our mind to check ourselves. And, you know, things like, would I do this if no one else knew what I was doing? Would mm -hmm. I still be doing this service for God? Right. Um, would I be doing this if I received opposition for it or persecution for it? Would I still continue to do what I'm doing for God and for His cause? You know, these sorts of questions would, um, you know, uh, if I wasn't going to receive attention or glory or honor or um, influence or status, would I yeah. still be doing what I'm doing? Some of these sorts of questions can be uh, diagnostic questions. And, you know, you look at the disciples' life like you just pointed out. They did. They continued to do. They faced opposition. They faced persecution. They faced, um, mm. you know, all manner of different things. But they joyfully proceeded because yeah. uh, the, the motivation uh, was... was you know, there was, there was the check in place there. Excellent, brother. So Mark 8, 35, he that seeks to save his life will lose it. Mm. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will find it. And I think that's a powerful passage and it applies loosely to this because the Pharisaical leadership, the Sadduceical leadership in Israel, they were seeking to save their lives, mm -hmm. to build a life around themselves through ministry. And that was just their avenue, just like you could be an engineer, you can be a scientist, you can be a pastor. Mm. They just saw it like as this career path to become important. And it gave them privilege and position. But the disciples, they were all about losing their lives. Mm. And they found that their lives in eternity and so true. their lives changed the world. And it's funny because if you evaluate the apostles from, the, from an outsider's perspective, I think you'd basically be like they've lost. Mm. In every era, you would think they lost. They lost, they failed, they failed. And you'd see these supposed successes, but then they'd get overturned by persecutions or something. And uh, it's I unbelievable. I think that's actually another very good diagnostic question. Do I judge my success or failure based upon what God has asked me to do or how I compare, you know, or, or, or results or yes. how I compare to others, you know? Is it, how do you judge your success? Is it yeah. by faithfulness to God? Well, then that's success. That's right. So, so, dude, okay, I, I've been an evangelist for, I'm not an evangelist anymore, but I did lots of evangelistic preaching and soul winning well, you work ministry. as the evangelism I'm the evangelism department. director, yeah. But, so, yeah, we're all evangelists in that sense, in a general sense. But I can honestly say, I can remember going into towns, and, and it's not a fast and hard rule what I'm saying, but I've gone into communities and worked for several months with the wrong spirit, man, where you're not serving the Lord, you're serving yourself, and you kind of may not even know it. Mm. And then it's all said and done, man, and it's just bitter. It's bad. It's, it's just, ugh, it's just, it produces nothing. And then other times you just go in there to serve because serving God is a reward and it's a privilege in itself. And God moves. God works. You win people. 
you find people, you see the Spirit working in people's lives. And so, yeah, look guys, we just wanted to have this conversation, not to preach at you, but just to talk to each other mm. and to highlight things that Scripture has to say and, and to, to raise awareness that we're not in this for the power. None of us should be in this for the power. We're not in this for the career. We're not in this for any of that's for the paycheck. We're not in this for anything. And if we are, then we need to repent. And, you know, just to leave a closing verse, um, you know, for that person that's listening, thinking, yeah, you know, I asked those diagnostic questions. I do feel like there is an element of impure motives there. Um, you know, I want to leave a text. There's a text in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, uh, God's word says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The simple challenge that I want to, that I think, you know, for the person who's listening, feeling like, oh, I've got those impure mm -hmm. motives. Um, you know, we talked about before that idea of don't stop doing what you're doing. Be faithful to God. Continue to serve Him. Repent of those areas where God's convicted you and mm -hmm. ask for a renewing of your mind that you may be transformed, not according to the pattern of this world, but, but according to the mind of Christ. And, uh, and, and ask for God's mm -hmm. Spirit that you may walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, God help us as we, uh, we strive to walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Uh, tell a friend, share it, and uh, be blessed. Take care. God bless you guys. Bye.